Evening, church. I don't know if this is still an ongoing tradition, but when I was younger, I remember in my primary school days is towards the end of the year, all my other friends, they will start writing up Christmas cards. And the best thing about that is when they stick a candy cane to it. Uh, I love that. And I'm, I'm in it for the, the candy, not so much the card because I'm like, I couldn't read it back then. But when I look at the cards that I receive, there's a lot of Santa Claus displays, a lot of reindeers, a lot of like Christmas trees. But, but, but a scene that keeps coming up and up again is the scene called what we call the nativity scene. It's, it's Jesus in a manger. It's with his parents. It's with the star in the sky. It's with the shepherds that's coming along and also the wise men that's, that's there to visit. And with a whole bunch of barnyard animals. And that scene, when I, when I look at all the artist's, artist's depiction of it, it looks so calm, it looks so peaceful, it looks so joyful, it looks so... We, we even have a song about it. It's called Silent Night. But what if I tell you, what if that night wasn't so silent? What if that night wasn't so peaceful, but more of a chaotic mess? So tonight, we, we're going to go into this first Christmas, the first Christmas in history. But before we go into that story, would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we pray that you send your Holy Spirit. Help us to understand what happened 2,000 plus years ago. May we look at this passage afresh. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So let me take you through the journey before we get to this scene. I love the Santa, little Santa hat, by the way. That's a, that's a cool thing that we have. What happens is an angel appears to Mary. And the angel says, Mary, I know you're highly favored from God. And I know, Mary, you, you have wedding plans. But you're going to be with child. Even if you never slept with any other man before, but you're going to have a child. And Mary, I want you to name him two names. Name him Jesus. Name him Jesus because he will save people from their sins. And also call him Emmanuel because that means God with us. And she gets that and she says, okay, I'm, I'm your servant. And so one day Joseph gets a phone call from Mary. Joe, I got something to tell you. And Joe's like, what? What is it, Mary? And Mary's like, I'm pregnant. And Joe's like, like Steve Carell from The Office. No, 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 no. God, no. Girl, tell me that you're playing. And Mary goes, no, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Why? How did this happen? God made it happen. And Joseph decides to, to divorce this girl. But then an, an angel also appears in Joseph's dream and saying, Joe, it's okay. She didn't cheat on you, bro. It's, it's all good. Just keep the marriage. Marry her. Look after her. And so Joe, Joseph obeys. And now we fast forward a few months. And we are now up to Luke chapter 2, verse 1. So that's where we are basing our story tonight. Luke chapter 2. And in that time, there was a man called Caesar Augustus. He was the ruling power at that time in, in Rome. And he issued a decree a census should be taken in the entire Roman world. 
And at this point, he decreed, and it was a law that every person has to go back to their hometown to register. And so because Joseph, he's from the line of David, and he's also from that area, he travels back home. And it's not that simple. Imagine Joseph, a young man, young upstanding man, and he has to bring his pregnant wife home. The home where he grew up in, the home where he had younger friends and and family everywhere. Imagine the gossip that he's thinking that's taking place right now as he goes towards this journey. He's probably thinking, you know, those gossipy neighbors, hey, psst, let me spill the tea. Let me give you some glossy goss. Give me, let me give you the saucy scandals. You know that carpenter Joe? You know how he was pledged to be married with Mary? She's pregnant and it's not his. Oh, juicy. In a high honor society, this would have been the worst for Joseph. How would he ever going to face his parents? How would he ever going to face his elders and patriarchs and matriarchs? But on the journey, it says it was from Nazareth to Bethlehem, which is a week's journey. And his ride was not a Lamborghini. His ride was not a limousine. The ride back then, common in those days, was a donkey, a rocky donkey. So imagine Mary pregnant on a rocky donkey. But actually, the Bible says nowhere that Mary actually rode a donkey. So Mary could have been walking. And let me tell you how far it is. It's 150 kilometers walking for a whole week. Now, I remember that time when Demi was still pregnant with Ariel, my wife. I took her to go out crabbing and I got her to go into the water to catch some crab with me late at night. And we only walked 500 meters and she was like, my back's aching, my leg's aching. I feel like I'm going to die. I'm like, okay, okay, I'll carry you back. But Mary, if they were that poor to not even own a donkey, walking that distance for a pregnant woman, that would have been crazy into a place called Bethlehem. Yes, it's called the city of David, but it's actually nowhere town. In Australia, we call this whoop whoop or out in the bushes or or a city like Perth. (laughs) And when they got there, Mary's stomach starts to ache and she's screaming, Joe, Joe, I think the baby's coming and her water breaks and he's like, oh, why? Why now? Why now? We're not even home yet. And so Joseph scrambles and runs around. But first, of course, he's a good husband. He, he places Mary down to sit somewhere and she's all sweating and she's drenched and he's running around each hotel, each motel, each Airbnb, each hostel. And all they say to him was, sorry, dude, you, you should have booked earlier. We have no room left. But but, but my wife is pregnant. You should have booked earlier. And I don't know if as a husband, as the protector and provider of a family, during that time when Joseph was knocking around doors of local residents and local accommodations, I don't know what, at what point he would start to wonder, God, why? Well, God, what, what are you doing in all of this? Mary... You sure this is right? Didn't you get an angel talking to you? Didn't an angel talk to me? What is going on? 
until he gets an answer from someone saying, hey, look, we got no room left, but we got a barn. I'll take the barn. Now let's consider together. What is known as the nativity scene, what is in this nativity scene is frankly ridiculous. If you really think about it, because God ends up in a place that's most peculiar, most peculiar of surroundings, of circumstances and situations. And this makes me curious and it makes me ask why. Why? God, why is it this way? God, you are all-powerful, all-knowing. You're the creator of the universe. What are you doing? But before I point that out and explain why to you, let me also point out to you, human. Human beings, we are frail, we are fragile, and we are finite. We really are. If we just limit our air, limit our sleep, I didn't even say eliminate, get completely get rid of. We just need to limit it and we will struggle. For Oikos Church here, there's a lot of first-time parents the moment they get their firstborn kids and they limit down on their sleep. They look like zombies. You can tell who, who are first-time parents. They haven't been sleeping for months. We just need to limit our kids' Wi-Fi and they'll kick and scream. Limit my bubble tea and I'll protest. We are fragile creatures. Even in a season like this, amongst the lights, amongst the trees, amongst the tinsels and the presents, we just need to click open the TV and we realize this world is broken. Unthinkable events happen day to day, tragedies, there's war, there's natural disasters. And as we all know, Australia right now, we are suffering from raging bushfires. Homes are lost, lives are lost. And it makes us stop to think, doesn't it? Life is fragile. And as much as we want to attempt to protect our children, our finances, our future, our health, our homes, our things, the truth is life is fragile. And our security and our dependability and even our identity can be, it can be altered just in one moment. Now, this is not a philosophy this is not a debate. This is not an idea or a thought. This is a fact of life. It's hard. And no wonder why some of us get scared. No wonder why some of us withdraw and don't want to take any risks anymore. But then this is where the Christmas story comes running to your aid. This is where the good news comes in. We just need to consider God's entrance into this earth, and it is exceptional. Let's just keep in mind that God, he's God, and he can enter the earth however he wants. And so if he wants to enter this earth riding on a white horse that flies, or a Charizard, or a Batmobile, or the Millennium Falcon, he can do whatever he wants because he's God. But his entrance towards this earth speaks volumes of who our God is. And his first night on the earth, he chooses out of his providence that all the hotels and motels and all the holiday inns are fully booked. It's not like God's like, oh, I forgot to book. Oh, dang, I should have booked online. <clears throat> no. He intentionally wanted all the normal accommodations to be full. And so he is left with a cave. 
a cave. Now, when we think of the nativity scene, we think in our modern interpretation, it was a barn. But in my studies of this passage, the research is heavier ways towards it was a cave, a little dug out hill that is semi above ground. Now, just imagine if Christ was born in a little cave full of animals, sheep, cows, donkeys, chickens. I don't know what type of animals are there, but you know animals. They're not like humans. They're not toilet trained. And so if they want to do a number one or a number two, they just do it on the spot. And so Christ's birth is full with animal stench, animal droppings. And would there be any breeze of fresh air? No, because there's no ventilation system like we have today. It's not like you go underground car park and we can still breathe and there's still air. There was none of that. And so this atmosphere that Christ was born in was suffocating. And I just want to stop here and I wonder if you're in a situation where it just stinks, where you just feel so suffocated. I want to tell you, Christ understands. And so at God's birth, he says, I want animals to be there. I want it to be in a dark cave. I want it to be in a nowhere place called Bethlehem. When I'm born, when my son is born, I want him to be mothered by a teenage girl. Yes, teenage girl, because some scholars argue that Mary could have been young as 15. Who's here is 15? Anybody? 15 years old. No one's 15. Cool. And I also want him to be fathered by a puzzled stepdad. That's how I'm going to be born. And his first bed intentionally, sovereignly, his first place that he ever lays his head, God on earth, is in a feeding trough. Feeding bowl for animals. We think a manger looks like this. Oh, well, you, you already saw it. Nice, wooden, mobile, comfy. The baby sleeps so peacefully. But really... The ancient manger looks like that. It's a rock that's just carved out. And this rock would have been multi-purpose. It wouldn't just hold one animal feed. It would feed all types of different animals. And so what Joseph has to do is he has to remove all the, the dirt, the mud, the gunk, the animal salivas, different types of animal salivas, and he places his newborn child there. For those of you who are just, have just became parents or who, who are parents, imagine placing your child on that piece of rock. And of course, by no doubt, Joseph and Mary would be thinking, okay, that rock looks really hard. That looks, rock looks really rough. And so they would take off some of their clothing. They would find some animal feed or hay or something just to make it padded around, just to make it a little bit softer. And they place their son there. And I can already imagine Joseph prancing around, hoping he's not sleeping. He's keeping guard just in case some animals get confused at night and take a chunk out of his baby. And I can imagine him prancing around saying, oh my God, oh my, literally, oh my God. God in a manger. Rough, rigid, 
raw, cold, earthly manger. God, why? I mean, if you were there to observe and see a baby on a not-so-sanitary rock, you got to ask, why? God, you're God. You can come in with royalty and pump and finesse. You could be covered in blings. You could have had a prestigious parade, a police escort, but not with police, but with snazzle-dazzle angels. But you come to this earth in a caught-off cave, lying on a rock for your first night. God, what message are you trying to tell us? What is the message here? And I'll tell you what I think the message is. I think that God is not intent. He's intent on not skipping any risk and any suffering in coming to this world. So if you are wondering today, is there a God? Some of you maybe no, some of you yes. For those of you who says yes, there is a God, maybe your next question that you wondered in life is, is there a God who cares? Is there a God who understands how hard my life is? I say yes, just look at his first bed. He's keenly aware of your challenges, of your difficulties, of your problems, of your temptations and challenges that you face in life. The Bible in Hebrews, it says, Jesus, our high priest, whom understands and he sympathizes with us because he's been through it all. So if you are here and you wonder, does God care that I have not had a job ever since I graduated? And I've been looking and looking and all my other friends have had jobs, but me, I'm stuck nowhere. God, do you care? He does. Or maybe you're here and you're in a job, but everyone else is being promoted and you're not. Does he care? Yes. Or if you lost your job, does he care? Maybe you're here and you are facing a health issue. Maybe it's not you, but maybe someone in your family that you truly love. Does he care? He does. And maybe you're here and you are feeling lonely. Maybe even in your marriage you are having relational problems. Maybe you're having problems with your parents. Does he care? Yes, he does. God, do you care about my financial difficulties? Where bill after bill comes and I cannot pay it. Does he care? He does. This message is clear for me. If you look at baby Jesus, lying in a feeding bowl of animals. We know that life is hard. And God says, I know. I know. But here's the good news. God gives this Messiah, this Christ, two names. And one of those names is Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so Jesus comes into the world And this is what he's saying to you tonight. Hey, my son, my daughter, I know that this life you feel like right now, you're walking through a valley of shadow and death. 
but it's okay. Hold my hand. I'm going to be there with you. I'm going to walk beside you. You're going to be okay. And if everything that I say is true, what would that mean to us today? The first thing that it would mean is that you are loved. You are so loved. In John 3, 16, it says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life because God so, so loved the world. And what does that also mean? It also means that you are priceless, that you have worth. Theologically, if I can say it right, you are not cheap, church. Christmas time. It's the time where our money talks and our money says goodbye. Because things are so expensive. I don't know if you are going through a list of stuff to buy, but I'm not buying it. My wife is, and I get shocked at the credit card bill. But anyways, even though she's trying to save money, she's looking through you know, the, the, good, the Black Friday sales. She's, she's looking online for all these sales. But man, everything is getting so expensive. And when you look at a particular item and you look at its price tag... Man, sometimes I get shocked at the price tag and I'm thinking, who would pay for that? Who would? This is daylight robbery. But well, I guess its worth depends on how much someone is willing to pay for it, to spend on it. That's its worth. And the first Christmas talks about a price tag that cannot be touched. The first Christmas talks about a story and screams out. All of heaven is screaming out as the jewel of heaven is coming down towards the earth. All of heaven stands in awe and grass. Do you have any idea how much he paid for her? How much he paid for him? That he himself has to go? God sent a savior to rescue you and me. This is the second name that God gives his son, which is Jesus, who saves his people from their sins. Because God's not so much about giving you a pump-up speech or not some sort of new philosophy, not for you just to turn over a new leaf. In the Bible, it says this in Romans, while it was the right time Christ died for the ungodly, he demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christmas was never meant to be about a gift under a tree. No, Christmas was always about a gift that was going to die on a tree. If you are going through a rough time lately, look at Christ's first bed, And his last bed, his last bed was the cross which they nailed him to and they lifted him up for all to see and he was crucified. His name was Jesus, which means savior of sins. Now, why does he have to save us from our sins? What does sin even mean? It's, here's the thing. It's not just we are just a little bit unjust. It's not just we're a little bit sinful. We're, we're just a little bit, no, 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 no. We were dead to our sin. We were powerless to sin. What is sin? 
It is every wrong and error that we commit towards God. It is our rebellion towards God. It is falling short of God's mark and his law. So out of the 10 laws, I'll just name some. If you have ever lied before, that is a sin. If you ever looked at someone with lust before, that is a sin. If you ever had murderous thoughts of punching someone in the throat, yes, that is also a sin. Even though how annoying that person is. And with our sins, we sometimes think, okay, what if I do good works? What if I do this? What if I do this? None of our good works and our merits and our efforts can ever offset sin. There is no balanced scale here. And that's why God sends Christ. That's why God sends Jesus to save us from our sins because we were powerless from it. And so he came to us. God of the universe came in the flesh. Humanity did not reach out to God, but God came to humanity first. He came to us. I'll invite the band up as I close. There's been many crazy proposals that's been happening lately. And I don't know what's about this generation, but everyone seemed to like really stepping it up. And I'm like, I'm hearing some crazy proposals. Uh, the latest couple was, you know, Gershom and Kartika in this, in this church. Crazy. Congratula- congratulations, guys. But five years ago, I think it was five years, something like that. Five years ago, I've witnessed a proposal at a conference, at a camp. What happened was this guy, he got all the camp committee, he got the whole camp in on the ruse. He, all, her, all their friends and family was in on it, but the girl was clueless, the girl was oblivious. And so on that fateful morning, her girlfriend said, oh hey, dress up, put on some makeup. We're going to go for a photo shoot today since it's a nice, beautiful morning and it's the last day of camp. Let's go out for a photo shoot. So just dress up. They, they dressed her up and she just goes on her way taking photos in some forest as the guy, he's getting ready. He's suiting up in the boy's toilet and he forgot his belt and he's asking around for the belt and other guys give him a belt and he's, he's wearing that belt. And then as he was ready, the whole camp staged a closing ceremony. And so the whole camp, they go into a big hall and they all sit down. And the girl comes in and she also sits down and she realized, hey, where's my boyfriend? Oh, well, don't care. I had fun. And she's just waiting for the announcements to happen. But then the lights dim and a video gets played. And it was her boyfriend's sibling acting out a little parody of a show that they watch. And as the video finishes, if you look around the room, everyone is seating, sitting in their seats with so much expectation. There's so much thrill of the hope that's going to happen. And out of nowhere, as the video finishes... The guy, he steps in and he says, here I am. And he struts around like a peacock, opening its feathers, trying to attract its mate. And as he bows down and he 
pulls out the ring that he caught his mum an hour before. Mum, get me the ring. Drives an hour and a half and he gets the ring. He's on his knees. He opens it up and he asks the girl, would you marry me? And the moment she says yes, the whole room erupts in celebration. It erupts in celebration. And there was roar of laughter and there's roar of joy. And the girl says, Well, you you moved, you orchestrated all this, all of this, the whole conference to come for me. What a man. What a man. And at this moment, I turn towards those single guys and it's like, got any questions, boys? Because that guy was me. Here's what God did for you. God orchestrated all of what happened in the nativity scene and he enters history and he comes for you and me. As Christ stretches out his nail-pieced hands today. And he asks you, would you walk with me? Hey, I know this life, it's going to be hard. I understand. I understand exactly what you're going through. Hey, I know in this life, you won't figure out why and you won't know the details of it. But hey, at least you get to know me. So I'm going to close up in prayer now. And so if everyone can close their eyes. For those of you who already call yourselves Christians, maybe you can ponder on how much you are loved, how much you are worth, that the God of the universe came for you. But also in this moment, in this room or those listening online, If you feel that tonight something is stirring within your soul and you had no idea why you're here, let me tell you, God orchestrated and His sovereign hand has guided you here. You are here for a purpose. You are here for a reason. This is no accident that you're here. And you feel that there is something moving and stirring inside you, making you want to actually find out more about this Jesus who was born 2,000 years ago. And tonight, you want to say, Dexter, I, I, want, I actually want to find out more about this Jesus. I ask you, would you just raise up your hands? Because I want to pray for you. Why do I want to ask you to raise up your hands? It is, thank you, I see your hands. It is just a gesture of something that's happening in, internally. But this moment has an eternal consequence. So let me pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you that everyone who's meant to be here is here. Everyone who's listening is listening. Meant to be listening is listening. Lord, we thank you that you came to this earth on a cold, crude manger. And you lived a perfect life for us and, and you died for us. But Lord, as you rose again, you gave us the offer to become your sons and daughters. Lord, we 
we want to declare that you are king tonight. Lord, we pray for those who have put up their hands tonight, that they will walk with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.